We're recording. What's up, y'all? What's up? What's up? I feel like we haven't done this in a minute. I don't. I don't know if that's just me. It does. It's been feel, a little while. Feels. It feels like it's been a while. But we will continue. We'll try to talk about sports. About even though there's still no sports, so you got to make full topics that are our ass, pretty much. Some leagues have some leagues have started uh, announcing at least their dates, right, of return. Yeah, NBA is on the twenty second, July twenty second or June. It has to be July. June sounds too soon. Yeah, that's what I think, too. I think it's July. Yo, I'm super excited. It's going to be 20 teams. It's not going to be the whole league, so I don't know how that's, like, a thing. Well, I like it because they're giving the teams that are on the bubble a chance, right? Like, technically, um, the Wizards could maybe still make it in. I'm hoping they tank. I'm hoping they tank. Please tank for me. (laughs) They need to. Uh, The Premier League is the one that's already back, right? Didn't they start uh, practices already? I believe they started practicing. I don't think they've they haven't started games yet. They haven't started yeah. games. They're they're basically like let's kick off everything, start with practices and get get the ball moving. So yeah, so they're the first ones that are at least kicking it off. MLB um, looks like it's the last one because they're having a huge contract dispute right now with the players. Um, so hockey looks like they also released uh, was it last week like a projected playoff schedule and how that would look. Um, they're also they're doing it a little bit different than the NBA where they're bringing more teams back, I think, right? I didn't see what the NHL was doing, to be honest. I just know that when I saw the NBA news, I was like, I have something to watch. I don't care yeah. if it is. Dude, they I have a different structure. 2011 playoffs today. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's, it's nice to have the possibility of sports returning soon. Um, but until then, it gives us a chance to kind of have these debates like we're going to have today about who should be in this Hall of Fame. And we did NFL to start out because the NFL is harder to get into. In the NBA, I feel like anyone and anyone, anyone can just kind of walk into the basketball Hall of Fame, right? Versus the NFL is selective. There's two, there's 53 players, only what, five go, right? Five or something like that go. Right, it takes some time too to get in. Yeah, so to be a first ballot Hall of Famer is like a very big deal versus in the NBA, any all-star will be like a, Right. And so we're only doing the sexy positions today. No offensive lineman, no tight end. We're going to do, each of us are going to select our quarterback that we think should be in the Hall of Fame, a running back that we think should be in the Hall of Fame, and a receiver. And we'll each make our case for our individual player at each of those positions. And then at the end, we'll make a vote. And we'll see if one of you guys persuaded me to change my selection, or maybe one of, uh, if I've made it, made one of you guys change your initial selection. So We'll see who has the best uh, supporting facts for their person. All right, mine's all emotion, so I'm going to let you know now. Mine's all going to be based off emotion. Numbers don't matter. I feel like I'll be pretty solid, but I'll be easily persuaded by Arash's hardcore facts. (laughs) I've got some unconventional information to share about my candidate, so I'm excited to jump in. I don't need to know about those traffic violations or those (laughs) DUIs that you pulled from your records. (laughs) Just wait. I I got a good argument for my three. All right, let's kick it off with quarterbacks. Pete, you want to nominate your guy? Sure. All right. So Are we going to be surprised? Because I feel like we're not going to be surprised. <laughs> no, well, yeah, it's not who you think it's going to be. I actually went off some facts, and uh, me and this guy have some history. So we kick it back to 2004 when this guy's coming into the league, starting his prolific career. I started my prolific career in high school. So, you know, 2004 hits home with us. So a guy is Big Ben, Ben Roethlisberger. Uh, let's see. Wow, I'm actually shocked that this is your pick. 
The Pittsburgh yeah. Steelers. Yeah, I'm surprised too. Yeah, the numbers don't lie here. And let's just be honest, like, uh, we, I've seen Ben Roethlisberger as well as some of these other guys throughout basically, you know, my life or like I guess our current lifetime of NFL players that are coming towards the end of their career. Um, but, you know, Big Ben, he's ranked in yards. He's eighth overall, 56,000 yards. He's uh, ninth right there with touchdowns as well. He's got 360 touchdowns. Um, and his passer rating is 94 overall. So, He's had a pretty good career overall um, while also, you know, blowing away some crazy records. Um, he's basically got almost all the rec franchise records for the Steelers. Um, he's kind of took out Terry Bradshaw and all those aspects. Um, but as well as NFL records, uh, let's see, he's got the most regular season wins by, by a rookie when he came in. He just started hitting the league by storm. He had 13. I'll never forget that season because it was like week one or week two, the starting quarterback went down. And he just picked it up from there, right? Yeah, he picked it up. So he – I don't remember exactly what week it was. But, yeah, like the quarterback went down, he came in. But then what he did was he had a 15-game win streak. So he finished that season. He came in the next season and continued that win streak. Right. Um, so he had that. Um, he's got the most 500-yard passing games. Uh, he's got three. Um, he's the first quarterback to start two conference championships in his first two seasons. So, you know, those first two seasons, he came in just hitting hard as soon as he got the opportunity. Uh, youngest quarterback to win a Super Bowl, um, you know. So, and then um, he's also registered three perfect passing games. Um, so he's second to Peyton Manning. Um, and he's the only quarterback to register two of those perfect games in the same season. So... It's, it's been crazy. Um, and he's also had the six-plus touchdown consecutive games. So I think all of these stats combined kind of tie into why you can see that he's gone to the Super Bowl three times. He's won two out of three times. And he it wasn't that far spaced out, like, you know, like the Patriots or anything like that. Like, it was 2005, 2008, and then I think 2010, uh, all within that six, seven-span year. So He's been consistently playing at this elite level ever since he was given the opportunity. Uh, granted, he has been hurt here and there, but when he when he is able to play, he's played at a very high level. Um, and you could kind of go by, you can even say that uh, he's been sacked, I think, his career about 500 times. So that's probably like the third highest next to Brett Favre and John Elway. So with him being knocked down uh, and as big as he is and as long as he's played, um, I think, you know, having two of those three Super Bowls and all these uh, records, that's that's my guy I got to go with. Solid choice. Uh, Big Ben, so he was in that draft in 2004 where he was actually the third quarterback taken off the board, even though he was selected number 11 overall. So that was Eli and Phillip Rivers who right. got taken in front of him. And, yeah, like you said, Big Ben right off the bat um, came onto the scene with that huge win streak. I think the game where he subbed in for the quarterback that got injured he lost that game, but then every game after that, he actually officially started as the quarterback. Um, he went undefeated. Right. Um, he came in, I think, towards the end of that game where he, he kind of tried to make a run, but the game was over. And then right. Right. through start onwards, yeah, he went like 15 straight. Yeah. 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 And yeah, he's been a stud ever since, right? And he's in top nine already in um, passing touchdowns. Eli and Phillip Rivers are ahead of him, but I think Eli's only a few ahead of him. So he's going to obviously pass him now that Eli's retired. And then he should be able to catch Phillip Rivers. But more and more, he's having less weapons than he had the year before. The one thing that Big Ben has always had in his career um, is great offensive weapons. To the GM's credit, they've drafted well. But this year, he, he still has Juju. But 
little by little that receiving core is getting a bit thinner. Yeah, I agree. Uh, it it kind of sucks because, you know, with everything that went down with the Steelers, with Le'Veon Bell, with Antonio Brown, Martavis Bryant in those prior years getting, you know, suspended. He's had so many great weapons, which is, you know, great for him. But if none of those suspensions or any of these holdouts or anything happened, like this guy's numbers as crazy as they are in the last few years would have still, you know, skyrocketed. Mm-hmm. For sure. That's a solid option. I thought you were going to go with, obviously, the Dallas Cowboy candidate, Tony Romo. Yeah, you know, I, I figured a smarter I'd one. I'll save his name for another day. I, gotta, I still got to hold my credibility on the show. <laughs> yeah, I forgot that he won. Uh, ben Roethlisberger won uh, Rookie of the Year in 2004. Makes sense, obviously. Yeah. We, said, we just said how he went on that undefeated streak. Right. But, um, yeah, that escaped me. This was a good pick. This is going to be hard to not vote for. I will say that. <laughs> It's going to be hard to not vote for. I'm not, I'll I'm make not. your case and convince us otherwise. Who do you have? So Mark Sanchez. I just want to bring him up. No, I'm just kidding. I'm, kidding. <laughs> I'm totally fucking kidding. That would be a terrible thing. So It'll lock all credibility. I actually am picking someone else from this draft class. It's Eli Manning, the goat nice. killer. The goat killer. Come on. Like, you can't not <laughs> the goat killer in there. All right? He, he, the two times you played Tom Brady, you beat him. That's Who true. cares what else he did in your career? And with that, he's like he's seventh in touchdowns. He's three ahead of um, Ben Roethlisberger right now, which he three touchdowns ahead, which he will get passed on, just mm-hmm. fine. But then also he never missed a game. Like until <laughs> his last season, he never missed a game. He was always out there. On top of that, he's seventh in passing yards. He's in the fifty thousand club. And this is the last point I have, and then we can debate this. But sorry, I got two points. He's MVP in both Super Bowls. He's MVP in both Super Bowls. I want to put that out there. But from 2005 to 2012, those eight seasons, the Giants never had a losing record with him. So, yeah, no way you don't put Eli Manning in there. And, and he's a Manning. And he used to beat up on the Redskins, which was kind of sad. And why I wouldn't put him in there. But that's okay. That's not the point. That's the point against him. The name helps him for sure. Um, but the thing that helps him the most is beating Tom Brady, right? Twice in the Super Bowl – um, and especially that year where they had Brandy Moss and they had an undefeated season and they were about to be the first team to go, uh, what was it, 18-0 or 19-0 until they lost that last game. Um, that I think that's, iconic, That was an iconic Super Bowl, though. David Tyree's catch on his helmet. It was insane, dude. All that pressure to get him that. Like, yeah. That's what you're never going to forget on top well, of Well, even, even the other Super Bowl, right? You had that uh, catch by Mario Manningham along the sideline, which was just an insane pass and an even – crazier catch um but yeah like Eli didn't win those games based on anybody else stepping up more than him right he won both MVPs um in those Super Bowls which speaks volumes to him and his clutchness yeah um yeah solid option I'm I'm a big fan of Eli even though he's been in our division and he's been killing us every now and then he would lose some stupid game to us which would make me like him because he wasn't invincible at least yeah I wouldn't say like him respect to the word yeah like not like agreed agreed but he's always got that dumb look on his face too so i like that i I do like that yeah (laughs) i i I gotta say i agree with all your points and like it definitely makes sense why he chose eli he's got the rings he's got the name he's got that longevity um the only knock i have on him is and this is more of a personal based opinion is like you got that bad taste in your mouth of the last few years of how he played like you always want to see someone kind of go out on their own terms or at least at a pretty decent level. And the last few years, 
three, four years probably of his career. He was just kind of fighting the media, fighting everyone else. Um, he, they kind of let him hold this position, but you knew it was over. Like, his days were gone. You're like, all right, man, it's time to hang it up. You've tried a couple of years. Uh, it doesn't look good. And then, you know, come this past season, like every game, you're like, oh, is this Eli's last game? Oh, will he play another game? You know, it just – whenever you got a, uh, a career like that, you kind of want to just be like, all right, let me ride out while, while the ship is still good. Um, that, that's the only knock I kind of give him is just sticking around a little too long. But at the end of the day, that's a subjective opinion, right? Like all the stats, everything else is there. But I chose Big Ben, so I got to gotta give him the knock. So you know, this I, is the crazy. Go ahead, go ahead. I was just saying, I I totally get it, but it's also like toy, t- t- ah, terrible management. Like Gettleman yeah. is a terrible GM, like terrible. Like I don't know why you go after Daniel Jones that early when you could have got him at sixteen or wherever they were, and mm-hmm. like they didn't give him weapons. That offensive line was terrible. On top of that, you weren't giving him any pieces to help. Like who was his best court like, like receiver at like at the end of his career? Like Golden Tate, at the end mm-hmm. of Golden Tate's career. So I, I don't know, like. I agree as a Redskins fan, but I kind of disagree because I know how bad Gettleman is, which I like that Gettleman is bad, but I mean, it didn't help Eli either. Right. So this is actually ironic because Big Ben's um, resume shows you why Eli should be a Hall of Famer, right? We just said how Big Ben blew it up right off the bat right off the bat when he started his rookie year. He won rookie of the year. He's had all these great offensive weapons like Antonio Brown, Mike Wallace, Juju Smith Schuster, Emmanuel Sanders. And like who has Eli had? Sure he had Odell, sure he had Plexico, but everybody else was basically just average receivers, right? Um, Mario Manningham, Steve Smith, um, a bunch of like no name guys that I'm even I'm having a hard time remembering. But when you think yeah, but when you think of Big Ben, you remember all these big-time receivers making big-time plays. We just said how Big Ben's been a G his entire career. And up to this point, right, in the 2019 or 2020, Eli's ahead of him by two spots in the overall passing touchdowns list, and he's ahead of him by one spot in the overall passing yards list. So as great as Ben Roethlisberger's resume is, it actually proves why Eli is a Hall of Fame candidate because he's still better than him, even though we don't remember all those touchdowns. We don't remember all those passes. Yeah. I mean, I agree, but, like, it's also who you're playing as well. I mean, I mean, we go 10 different ways with this. But yeah, it, it makes sense. But, uh, I mean, let's let Big Ben play against the NFC East teams and let's see what he racks up to, right? <laughs> mm-hmm. And he's not done. I, I think he's going to have a solid year coming back after uh, his no-show last year with the injury. Yeah. yeah. Rush, who's your pick? All right. So I'm going a little bit unconventional. I am going to go with the, the former Virginia Tech product from my alma mater, Michael Levick. Yep. This guy – Huh? I'm glad you didn't say Marcus Vick somehow. No, baby. Michael Levick was a transcendent generational player coming out of high school. Um, he went to the perfect school for him. Frank Beamer styled that offense around his skill set, and Virginia Tech's been looking for a guy to replace him to play that same type of offense ever since. But there's no one like Michael Vick. We see LaMarcus, Ruff, uh, LaMarcus Jackson right now. We see Cam Newton, but these guys aren't Michael Vick. He was the very first one. Sure, there was Randall Cunningham, but let me show you what Mike Vick did. He had a 13-year NFL career, right? But in reality, there was only like seven seasons where he played 10-plus games. 10-plus games, right? There's 16 games in a season. He only, out of 13 years, only seven of his years did he play double digits. And out of that, only four years 
out of 13 did he play 15 plus games, which is a full season almost. So it shows you he only played four full seasons his entire 13 year career. And even with that, the dude had four Pro Bowls. He didn't have any Super Bowls, right? So Big Ben has multiple Super Bowls. Eli Manning has multiple Super Bowls. Unfortunately, Mike Vick never got that far. But he's 85th all-time rusher in the NFL. Let me say that again. He's not 85th all-time for quarterbacks. He's 85th all-time for every player that's rushed in the NFL. You're talking about all those running backs who have come and gone. He's only one spot behind Le'Veon Bell. He's only a few spots behind Ray Rice. Brian Westbrook, who was a stud running back for um, the Philadelphia Eagles, he's less than 10 spots behind him. That's crazy, dude. You have a running back who had more rushing yards than all these players coming from college who played running back full-time in the NFL, and he had more rushing yards. He's 85th on that list. Total offense, he's 67th in total offensive yards. Joe Namath is 65th. He's only two spots behind Joe Namath. Terry Bradshaw, he's only 15 spots or so behind him. Um, that just blows my mind that a quarterback, like we'll see where uh, Lamar ends up. We'll see where Patrick Mahomes ends up on these lists. Cam Newton. Um, well, Cam Newton looks like he's on the down curve of his career, but I don't know if they're going to end 85th all-time rushing yards. Um, and still to this day, Michael Vick has the best yards per rushing attempt with 7.0 yards. Every time he rushes, his average is at least 7.0. Jamal Charles, is fourth on that list, who was a stud running back for Kansas City. Mike Vick is number one. Jim Brown was number five. Barry Sanders was number eight. Who's number two? Adrian, I don't know who number two is, but if I don't know him, he's not worth knowing. Um, Adrian Peterson, who's still playing today, is 17th. Mike Vick is number one, dude. That's nuts. I would love – I was going to say, I would love for Michael Vick to go to the Hall of Fame. But he has to be compared against his peers as a quarterback, right? And I get the rushing attempts and how transcendent he was. And if he was in the league right now with coaches that would actually tailor their game, like their the, the game plan and the playbook to their quarterback, like you've seen it with Lamar, Lamar Jackson and Deshaun Watson and all those guys, I think he would have had a better career. But – Yes, I think I think it's like he is an icon, but what he did on the field, he didn't. He won, but he didn't win a lot. Like my example would be like when he came when he came back after his you know legal troubles, right? And went to the mm-hmm. Eagles, were the Eagles in a better play, a better situation than they were with Donovan McNabb left? Like they didn't win mm-hmm. more, they didn't do better, and like I think Donovan McNabb has a hard case to get in Hall of Fame himself, right? And that team's mm. much better with him. I would, like, I would, I really, if I had a vote, I would vote for Michael Vick because that shit was, like, that is a childhood, right? Like, he created yeah. a childhood. Like, but, like, at his position, like, he didn't stack up against, like, the other guys that were playing at the time, in my opinion. Sure, I get that. Like, that, and that's, it sucks to say because i huge Michael Vick fan, but... The thing that's going to help him, so the NFL Hall of Fame is biased as hell, right? The NFL Hall of Fame is super biased. The thing that helps him is that despite his legal troubles, when he came back in 2010, when he finally took over the starting job for Philadelphia Eagles full-time, he won, yeah, he won Comeback Player of the Year, which is great. Um, Sure, eventually he's going to have to get measured up with all these other guys. And I'm not saying he's going to be the first uh, quarterback in, 
amongst the group that we're discussing here today, but I don't know. Part of me thinks perhaps he can. Let me tell you one crazy stat that not a lot of people know, and I've, I've bragged about this before because Michael Vick was one of my childhood idols uh, when I was watching football as a young kid. Michael Vick is the only player in NFL history, NFL history, right? Every person you could think of, no one else has done this not even once except Michael Vick's the only one. He's the only player in NFL history to be offered two $100 million contracts during his professional career. No other player by any team or by, away from him? by any team or any multiple teams <laughs> has ever been offered out. that. The way it worked out, though, I don't know if everyone wanted to work out that sure, way. Sure. But, dude, that just shows you how sick of a player and of a talent he is that even after his legal troubles, another team was convinced at what they saw to offer him another $100 million contract. Sure, he didn't earn both of those $100 million contracts. He doesn't have $200 million. But for a team to offer any player $100 million contract takes a lot. Like, you got to convince those GMs and people. It's not just convince your head coach. This guy got two $100 million offers in one career. No other player has. I don't think any other player will. I mean, it depends on the CBA, right? <laughs> yeah. You could start but, um, out a $100 million contract. But, I mean, maybe U.S. dollar isn't worth anything. And $100 million ain't shit, right? The way it's going, yeah. It's, the salary cap keeps rising and rising. It's pretty insane. But, yeah. Um, yeah, his circumstances kind of facilitated him to be able to receive that second one because he lost uh, 07 and 08 in his prime, too. Yeah. Um, that just blows my mind, man. I was going to pick Michael Vick just to go off the grain. But then mm -hmm. I was like, okay, Pete started with Roethlisberger, so I was like, oh, we're taking this seriously. Okay, let me not, <laughs> let me not pick Vic. I'll tell you why I didn't pick Michael Vick because I knew Arash was going to. I wanted to take him, but I'm like, it'll just be more fun to see what Arash says, and then yeah. I'll take it back off of it. But yeah, I mean, I totally get it. My whole reasoning behind it was the exact same thing you said. He just changed the name of the game coming in. He took the he took the game by storm, right? Like. 2004, Michael Vick was just running over people left and right. Defense didn't know what to do. There's a reason why he was a 99 in Madden, and you could literally rush for 100 yards every game. But, like, he broke the game. He did what Steph Curry so did. So much fun. Yeah. Obviously, being a huge Virginia Tech fan, like, we love watching what he did. And it sucked, you know, he didn't win the BCS championship there. But we're like, all right, next level. Let's see him get it. Like, he's got the potential. He came in. The Everything that Gogo -Go said basically is, you know, he's going to get compared against the peers, which sucks. But seeing that he was removed in his prime, like those two years that he spent in jail, he, I mean, those were those years where he could have made his name for this. But seeing him come back the way he did, like you said, was unbelievable for being away for two years. Like for most people, it's like, yo, that's it. You're done. It's a wrap. Like, yeah. I don't know. Let's see both sides of it. Um, I, I definitely want him to. I see the case for it. It's definitely biased as hell, like you said. Um, I guess ranking against the three guys we said, he's definitely statistically uh, without Super Bowls, anything, he's always at the bottom of the list right there. But I think he makes his own name in uh, non, the non-statistical category by saying, like, what he did bring into the league. He did define the way uh, we have dual threat quarterbacks now. Um, it was just, you know, a different flair. Like when AI came into the league, like this guy was the guy with the dreads in football. Like he was the AI of football. So mm -hmm. it's, it's just a, you know, it's a change. So it's something iconic that you have to, it's a subjective measure, but it's something you have to take into account. Like he completely changed the revolution of the game. So 
Yeah, and there was definitely mobile quarterbacks before Michael Vick, but there was none to this degree of talent. And like since him, maybe Lamar Jackson pans out to be a better um, athlete or talent than Michael Vick. Time will tell. But um, before then, like even watching Randall Cunningham, even seeing other quarterbacks try to do it, Jeff Garcia and whatnot, even the Redskins had one back in the day. Um, I just had never seen anything like that, man. And I would watch tech games with Marcus Vick, his little brother playing. And like, if I think about it now, I wasn't a fan of Marcus Vick. I was hoping to see Michael Vick embodied in his little brother, right? Like I was hoping to see, relive that through someone who played similar to him, but there was no one ever like Michael Vick. Um, And I don't know if there ever will be, but people are already projecting um, Lamar Jackson to be better and Patrick Mahomes to be better. And they may be good, better quarterbacks, but they won't be the type of quarterback Michael Vick was. I don't know. Let's say Lamar Lamar Jackson. Lamar Lamar Jackson looks like it, man. He he, he looks like it. Lamar Jackson, he shows the flashes of what Michael Vick is, and he can definitely do some of those things. But the way Michael Vick was – on every given play, he would make the defense or the opposing coaches hold their breath. They're like, I have the perfect sack coming. And they could be grabbing him, and then he's gone 40 yards down the field. Like, yeah. that was a different era of, like, the way he played. Like, it, it just – there's no defensive scheme that could stop him. Mm-hmm. You could yeah. argue that Lamar Jackson the same way right now. But I guess time will tell. The, the thing – no, the thing lucky about Mar- Lamar Jackson is that Harbaugh is giving him the right system to thrive throwing and running the ball. That's, like, the big difference, I think. I don't think Michael Vick ever had that perfect system. Like, even Andy Reid then, that wasn't it, – it worked, but it didn't – like, it's not, it's not thriving like the way Lamar Jackson. So, like, Jim Mora. Lamar Jackson is the MVP right now already. Michael Correct. That one. So, like, that – Correct, yeah. I don't know. I, I feel like Jim Mora, who was the head coach for the majority of Michael Vick's career, did a decent job, right? Like, I didn't think he did an awful job tailoring the offense to Michael Vick. Um, I watched this documentary on Michael Vick that um, I forget who did it. Was it like ESPN or somebody? But it was like this two long episodes, I think like two hours each. It was a great documentary. And um, even Michael Vick admits, and I think this is the reason why he didn't um, achieve his maximum potential, is that he was just caught up in living the life, right, of success and being young and making money and like he would just show up to games on Sunday and wing it right like like we would do if we were meeting up on a blacktop um he wouldn't put in the time he wouldn't put in the preparation that he started to do when he was in Philadelphia because obviously by then he's um he went through a humbling experience um so I think that more than maybe the offensive scheme that he was put in is the source for why he may not have um created the numbers that the other two candidates that we've discussed um were able to put up early on but um that's that's my case for him. I also think that I'll leave it at this last point of what you said. Um, that that definitely sucks because like he could have been much much better, and more you know. I don't know if he just he did the, if he did these things, but I think that's the one reason why I did love watching him because he was unconventional. He went mm-hmm. with whatever it came to him, and he just played the game with a certain swag. And that's just something that you don't you don't see all the time, right? Like these pocket quarterbacks or Lamar. You know, Lamar Jackson is definitely equivalent to the level of what he's doing producing but it's just that swag level he's playing backyard football but at a freaking nfl level and you're like and he's running circles around people and that was entertaining so, yeah. he would just flick his wrist man like if you watch some of these quarterbacks like ben roethlisberger philip rivers they're literally like slinging their arm to get the ball out Vic was all wrist like you would just be amazed how he could put that, that kind of torque on a ball and he's not even moving his arm it's just magic you uh you know you want to know a random fact 
Uh, I wonder if you know this, Arash. Why, you know why Michael Vick throws with his left hand? Mm -mm. So you know he's right-handed, right? He's not left-handed at all. No, I thought he was left-handed. No, he's right-handed. Michael Vick started throwing with his left hand because his dad, when he was young, was playing catch with him. He's like, he's like, nah, switch your hand. He's like, I think you look better with your left. And then ever since that day, he, he, he throws left-handed. That's nuts. So he's actually right-handed. That's insane. Yeah. Add that to his Hall of Fame uh, <laughs> fact sheet. <laughs> right? <laughs> all right. So now we've all made our cases. So we're going to do a quick vote, right? Can't um, vote for your own. Let's do it like that. You can't vote for your own. You can't vote for your own. Okay. I like that. That's fair. Um, so let's just go in a circle. You say the name of the player you're going to vote for. Uh, Pete, you go first. Go Gia, then me. And we'll, add, we'll see if, uh, who totals up the most. Got to go with my boy, Michael Vick. I'm going to go, if I'm being realistic, and I'm not just picking based on emotion, it's Ben Roethlisberger. If I'm picking on emotion, it's Michael Vick. But it's Ben Roethlisberger. Uh, if I'm picking realistically, not based on emotion or anything, I'm picking Eli Manning, actually. Three-way um, tie! <laughs> I, I think Ben Roethlisberger will obviously, because he's still playing, have a better overall career and resume because he's not done. But what I, uh, what I realized earlier when we were talking is the reason I say Eli. Up to this point, Eli and Ben have basically been playing neck to neck. And Eli's a little bit better in the statistical categories, even though Ben's going to keep playing and he's going to pass them. But as amazing as Ben has been, if Eli's a little bit better, how am I not going to vote for Eli? Makes sense. I would have ranked yeah. it because one through three, it would have been, I, honestly, I still stand by Eli, Ben, and Michael Vick. That's I see that. I think that's an old in my order. That makes sense to me. I, I think I'll still stick by mine with at the end of the day where they end up. I, I still go with Ben, Eli, Michael Vick, probably that order. But you should bring Eli Manning, not Vick. Nah, <laughs> see, I intentionally didn't want to pick a NFC East man. <laughs> <laughs> All right. East. So we got we got no quarterback going into the Hall of Fame then. Stalemate. That's fair. It's the least important position anyway. Like you can win quarterback, right? Of course, of course. All right. All right, we're moving to the running back now, the workhorse of the offense. All right, I will kick this one off. I don't know why I'm kicking this off, because I really don't. I, I was hoping to get wide receivers my first one. I'm just picking out of, like, I'm just shooting to a bucket or whatever they say. Let us hear. I want to make a case for Sean Alexander. Okay. He's Former been, MVP? He's, yeah, he's been eligible since 2014, which I did not realize. Mm -hmm. I didn't realize he was also eighth in rushing touchdowns, 16 in total touchdowns. Yes, top 15 in both. I mean, top almost 15 in both. Like, yeah, that's pretty damn good. He was an MVP. And at one point he had the most touchdowns in a season in 20, um, I mean, 2005, right? He had the most, he had the record for a little while. Yeah, he blew up. He was on the Madden cover the next year, I think. Yeah. And, yeah, was, yeah. and I think that he had a very underrated career. And this is before the Seahawks of Russell Wilson Seahawks. These were Matt Hassel right. Seahawks. So, they hadn't won a lot in Seattle before that. So, I mean, mm. that, that's what I'm thinking about, just the numbers. Like, at the end of the day, what he's supposed to do as a running back is score touchdowns. And that's what he did. And even for rushing yards, he didn't – he wasn't great, but he's in the top 50. He had 8,000 yards, which, is, which may be the knock that you take, that he didn't rush a lot, that he got a lot of – he got a lot of just touchdowns. But, look, that is still – He was, wasn't the sexiest of running backs, right? He was yeah. – I say that back. He was 36. I was looking at the wrong one. He's 36 okay. in rushing yards. 
So he's the former first round pick in 1997, and um, he was solid. Like he won MVP that year. He's got a Super Bowl ring to his name. Um, they took down the Pittsburgh Steelers, I think, right? Yeah. And um, he had a good career. Like he, he's definitely he wasn't the sexiest running back in the league. He played for the Redskins at the end of his uh, at the end of his stint, so we got to see the worst end of him. But yeah, um, no, he doesn't get in. Yeah, if you play for the Redskins, that it's an automatic disqualification. Yeah, yeah. I mean, he he was for five for a good solid five years. He was a top four or five running back, right? Mm-hmm. That's, yeah. That's for a running back, you can't. There's very few running backs that last ten years, right? You have your eight. Right. You have your you have your uh, Frank Gore, but that's the exception, not the rule, right? So yeah, that is one, and I think it's underappreciated. We forgot about him because like. It was also the same time that Damian Thomason was also, like, killing it, right? So, mm-hmm. him and then, I guess, Curtis, Curtis Martin was also around that time. So, there's a couple other guys in the mix. Edward James, like, somewhere Yeah, Edwin James was there. And then Chris Johnson was at, like, the beginning of Chris Johnson, I feel like, at the end there. Mm-hmm. So, like, he was yeah, a time, so. Right. That's my pick. Not a huge argument for my part. I, I can be easily swayed here. I can be easily swayed. Please touch her up. Sway him. So I, I kind of tried to go around this different ways, right? Uh, and this is where I, I, I wanted to hear most from what you pick. Uh, so I don't have a set person, but I have a couple of guys that – let me just say what I say, and then you'll see what I'm talking about. Okay. So from this list that we're looking at, right, we have some guys here like Frank Gore that have played super long careers that are uh, racking up yards that are – uh, you know, he's, what, third in rushing all time. Uh, he's got all these accolades, but at the end of the day, it's a mediocre season per season per season where there's no flashy things. Uh, let's just say he wasn't a very sexy running back, right? Mm-hmm. I don't think he had many years where he had double-digit touchdowns. He usually had, like, eight, seven, six, nine, whatever. Um, and on top of that, he was never – I don't think he ever led the league in rushing. Uh, he was kind of mediocre. But he's very consistent. He's been a consistent workforce over the course of this, what, 14, 15-year career, which got him these yards, um, which at the end of the day, when you look at stats, you're like, oh, wow, like he's third all time, whatever. Mm-hmm. I went down that route. But then I really thought about it. And, like, I think Gogia just made a point of where I'm like, I don't know, man. Like, he's been playing a long time, but I don't really see anything there that – Right. right so then I did actually look into Sean Alexander he did have a shorter career but it was those bursts of those years where he was playing um so then I guess that leads me into then I was looking at Tiki Barber right I was like all right uh, Tiki Barber was kind of towards that earlier stage of when we were watching football um he he definitely um he had all those all-purpose yards he had uh the touchdowns um you know, he was first all-team pro, pro ball selections. He got three of them. Um, so I kind of wanted to go with him. But I think with the last round of what you just – how you did a comparison of if Eli if, – if this is Ben Roethlisberger's stats and this is Eli Manning, why shouldn't he get in? Mm-hmm. So then I looking at Priest Holmes, and that's who I have to go with. So I think there was an article that came out um, a couple years ago uh, about how Terrell Davis got it, right? So Terrell Davis uh, made it into the Hall of Fame while being the 55th all-time rusher, and he's 212th in all-purpose yards. So then okay. there's a comparison of – so he had a solid maybe three- or four-year span where that kind of was the prolific era of his career that got him in. So if you look at Priest Holmes, he had a similar type of uh, – 
three-year span where it was, I think, um, he he did – so Davis did, like, 96 or 98 where he had, like, 5,300 rushing yards, um, and he had, like, 800 receiving yards. That kind of made or break his case for all of this. So during a similar span, Priest Holmes did a similar thing where he had about 4,600 yards rushing, but he also racked up 2,000 yards receiving. Um, he also had 56 rushing touchdowns. So if – at the end of the day, uh, they're not going to be in the top of everything, but they're, they're, uh, he's 15th in rushing touchdowns, 26th in total touchdowns overall, uh, 46th in rushing, um, 76th in yards from scrimmage, 113th all-purpose yards. But at the end of the day, if you have a guy that was lower in these ranks that did a similar thing, uh, similar accolades uh, that made it in, why wouldn't Priest Holmes be able to make it in as well? That's, that's the scenario I'm going off of. Uh, running back is just hard for me to choose, so I'm going to go off of that based off of the guys that we're looking at. That's fair. Let me tell you why Gogia is wrong and why you're right, because I'm also going with Priest Holmes. The dude was a stud, and he wasn't supposed to be a stud, right? So he was, he was in 1997 is when he came out of the University of Texas. Um, just for comparison purposes for the people we've been talking about. Sean Alexander, same year, he was a first-round pick. Tiki Barber, you mentioned, second-round pick. Frank Gore, which was a lot later, third-round pick. Uh, Priest Holmes, not drafted. He was Um, a uh, four-year backup, too, right? Dude, yeah. And he came onto the scene, and the fact that he's in this conversation, that we've been mentioning these other names, shows you why he should be the one, right? For an undrafted player to have the kind of career that he had is great. He had an 11-year career, but in reality, it was more like something like seven, right? He didn't play in 1997, his rookie year. He missed the entire 2006 season because of his spine injury. And I think in like 2007, the year after his spine injury, he only played like four games. So he actually only played seven full years. He started with Baltimore. Everyone obviously knows him because of his years in Kansas City. He started in Baltimore. He played there for like four years. And I think he had one 1,000-yard season. In Kansas City, the immediately next three years, he had 1,000-yard seasons each year. Yeah, um, so that's a span that I was telling you about where he, he racked up in those three years. about 40 Dude, he went off. Yeah. He went off. He carried Kansas City. Like, you don't remember anybody on Kansas City's team back then except maybe Dante All, who would throw up the X. Hurts was the quarterback back then. He was not bad. Yeah, he was okay. But it was because of Priest Holmes. Like, he put that team on the map. Check this stat out. Um, in 2002, Priest Holmes scored 24 total touchdowns. In 2003, he scored 27 total touchdowns, right? 24 and 27 touchdowns is a lot. So let's just go back to this past year. Derrick Henry, who just had an amazing year as a running back, 18 total touchdowns. Christian McCaffrey, who everyone is saying is arguably the best running back today, 19 touchdowns last year. Priest Holmes had 24 and 27 touchdowns back-to-back years. The best touch – go ahead. I was going to say, I think the comparison of what he was during that span of like that – receiver running back is like what Le'Veon Bell did in those couple of years before he sat out where he was right. asking for a wide receiver contract because he's like I'm catching over 150 passes so yeah, yeah. I think it's somewhere similar range but yeah that, that that is an insane amount of touchdowns to go back to back. Dude I, no one's really done it right so you're saying Le'Veon Bell which is a good comparison the most touchdowns Le'Veon Bell has ever scored in a season is 11. Um, yeah is 11. Um, Kiki Barber, most he's ever scored in one season, 15. Frank Gore, we were talking about, 13. Uh, Sean Alexander, to his credit, that year, huh? 
Sean Alexander, one more, 28. 28, exactly. The year that Sean Alexander went off, kudos to him. Hence the reason he probably won the MVP. He had 28. But it just goes to show you that 24 and 27 touchdowns, especially back-to-back years, rarely happens. Like Sean Alexander didn't get close to 28 ever again. And Priest Holmes went off in those that three-year span. Um, the only thing that cuts against the argument that it should be Priest Holmes is that in 2005, when they were when Kansas City was uh, funneling Priest Holmes out and funneling in Larry Johnson as their starting running back, Larry Johnson got 21 touchdowns. So then the argument comes up: Well, was it the scheme that was great for the running back, or was it the actual running back? Um, but I go back to the fact that he wasn't drafted, man, out of Texas. That's huge for this guy in his career. Because the only other guy that I was kind of thinking of that um, we mentioned earlier that I could think of having back-to-back seasons that I kind of were like that memorable was Edgar and James, right? 99 and 2000. But he still only he, – he had 17 and 18 touchdowns. So he had 13 rushing, 1,500 mm-hmm. yards. And he had four receiving. In the following year, he had 1,700 yards rushing with 13 touchdowns and then five touchdowns receiving with 600 yards. But – yeah, that's insane what he did those two years. That's that's insane. It's hard, man. It's it's hard. And I just remembered someone that I should have looked up beforehand um, who had that Im- unbelievable year, LaDainian Tomlinson, right? We were oh, talking yeah. about him earlier. So he had that one crazy year. He's in the hall, right? Or he's, he's for sure in the hall. Like, even if he's not, like, in it, like, I'm going to look it up. I'm blanking. He's- 2006, 31 touchdowns total. Oh, I'm looking it up because I'm pretty sure if he's not in the hall, he should be. He's gonna be. Like he's not if like. He, an if he is in the hall, that supports the argument that Priest Holmes should be because he's putting up numbers like Ladanian. No, uh, he, he's got, not, he got in. Uh, yeah, yeah, he's in. He's in. Yeah, he just got in okay. last time or it's whatever. Based off, based off, like when he was eligible. Yeah. At the end of the day, Priest Holmes has three Pro Bowls. He's been on the first team All-Pro three times, Offensive Player of the Year 02, and he's a rushing leader and a Super Bowl champ. Like, he's a a home run hitter. You can't not give it to him. My only argument is that he didn't play that much. He had... He didn't play much, exactly. That's, that's, but that kind of sh- is more impressive, right? We, I just said, he, he played 11 years, but he only actually played seven years. I mean, he only played 10-plus games four times. That's for a start. Right. Which is like – That's huge. That It's huge, like, numbers-wise. Like, it, yes, it makes your numbers look better, but it's also, like, your your best your best asset is availability. So, like, how much are you helping teams win when, like, you're not available, right? And you that, just proved the point, right? He's 15th all-time in touchdowns, but he only played 10-plus uh, games four times, you said. That's mind-blowing, dude. 15th all-time list, but he barely played seven years? Yeah, I know. That's crazy. That's crazy. He's 27th in total touchdowns, 15th in rushing touchdowns. I, I, listen, I, Priest Holmes is my other, like, thinking in this. So, like, I'm not, like, very far off from you guys. But do you think a Priest Holmes is a more viable Hall of Fame candidate than a Frank Gore? Who, again, Frank Gore doesn't have these, like, seasons but like he's been doing it for 15 years right and Frank Gore is beloved Frank Gore is beloved by the league like he's become a mentor the second half of his career he's never been like that crazy great of an athlete but that last stretch with Colin Kaepernick and the San Francisco 49ers was when he was like in the spotlight um I think he's a I think Priest Holmes has been a better running back and I, I love Frank Gore for me to say that's a statement Frank Gore came from the U I love that Miami uh, Hurricanes team back then 
Um, but I think Priest Holmes has been a better running back in the pros for a shorter period of time, but a better running back. Yeah, I mean, 11, that was the whole argument. Sorry, say that again? I, I, I mean, yeah, that was the whole argument I kicked it off with is when I was looking at each one of these guys, it's do you go over, over total stats, which is mediocre, or do you go with the shorter career? That was Are they, But is it mediocre? Because it's 11 seasons of 900-plus yards. And it's – sorry, I, I lost my count. One, two, three, four. Frank Gore you're talking about. Yeah, I'm talking about Frank Gore. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, eight nine years of over 1,000 yards. That's not mediocre. That's it's not exceptional either. Like it's not like oh you're doing sixteen hundred yards. You only did that once, but I mean to do that it. Sounds like you should have picked Frank Gore. Yeah, that's actually pretty I didn't, solid. I didn't. I didn't pick Frank Gore because I thought it's obvious that he's a Hall of Famer. Yeah, I it is. I think it's obvious that like he's a bigger Hall of Famer than anyone else we mentioned because you do it for fifteen years. You do it fairly consistently. Yeah, now he's not. It's been two years removed before he hit 900 yards, but he's, like, also 87 years old now. Like, his wheelchair needs some oiling when he runs into the end zone at this point. So I, He only I, scored double-digit touchdowns once in his career. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, I mean, those 1,000-yard seasons are actually impressive. I didn't know he had that many. And he had, like, four in a row, and then he didn't have one, and then he had, like, another five in a row. Yeah, and that one year that he did, he only played 11 games. That's why. Yeah, that's consistency. So, I don't know. I thought Frank Gore was going to be obvious. So, that's why I didn't say anything about Frank Gore. I, like, I, I mean, it, like I said, it, which route do you want to go? Do you want to go with the overall career stats? Like, yeah, I definitely think you should – I think both of them should be a Hall of Fame. But when it comes down to it, my personal opinion of what this guy did in seven years from being nothing to what he did to have this 27-28, like, that, that's just – it blows my mind more than I get what you're saying. I think Frank Gore is definitely a Hall of Fame person too, but I find it more appealing for a player with that 78-year career. That shouldn't even have any, any reason to be doing that or had a chance really to do that. Mm-hmm. All right, judgment time. So, I mean, yeah, you have to pick between Priest Holmes and Priest Holmes. <laughs> and I, I pick – I guess I pick Priest Holmes. I mean, I love <laughs> Sorry to I'm, all, you. I'm also picking Priest Holmes. Wait, the guy after him, Larry Johnson. I'm going with Michael Vick. <laughs> <laughs> he should be in this category. Or whatever, Michael Vick. <laughs> he should be in the category. I mean, because the way the Hall of Fame picks, it's not my position. I would pick Michael Vick over Priest Holmes <laughs> and Sean Alexander. So if that's how we're doing it. Wait, Larry Johnson was the guy after him, right? He was. He also played for the Redskins for a little bit, right? We just like to pick up Kansas he City. Did. <laughs> yeah. Well, Larry Johnson, like, Larry Johnson had a good career, right? But, again, it comes back to Larry Johnson was a first-round pick in 2005. Like, just like Sean Alexander, he was supposed to be good. You have Priest Holmes, an undrafted player, not even seventh-round pick, um, having the kind of career that he did. I mean. Wait, I okay. I have, a, I, have a, I have a actual question now, I, and, and then we can go back. Marshawn Lynch, is he a Hall of Famer to you guys? Mm-hmm. He'll get in there, yeah. All right, cool. I'm just make sure. We, um, I'm trying to gauge where we're at. Okay, cool. Yeah, and I think his numbers are going to support it. I don't know Marshawn's numbers, but I'm sure uh, when you add him up, he had some great years. Yeah, that stretch that he had was pretty solid. That'll, yeah, it'll put him over the edge to make the case for it, for sure. He played well in Buffalo, um, too. I, yeah. he, he had a solid career. 10,000 rushing yards, 85 touchdowns, and nine receiving touchdowns. Yeah, just wondering. He might he might squeeze out one more year. There was rumors that 
he was talking with Seattle, but nothing's happened yet. Yeah, um, yeah. It'd be nice to see him one more time. But yeah. All right, wide receivers. This one, right. I think wait, have we did we settle that Priest Holmes was the the, the unanimous can, vote? I can see. I I'm not gonna fight you. <laughs> All right. As long as you both agree that Frank Gore is like in before him, then we're good. I'm good with that. <laughs> All right. Clinton Portis? Do we want to discuss them? I'm just kidding. I actually looked up Clinton's numbers. They're not. Yeah. They're not amazing. They're not, they're not that good. <laughs> yeah. I looked them up just to make the case against it. Either one of you brought it up, but all right. I'm glad we're on the same page there. It's just like it's like um, Darren McFadden. Not worth the argument. Darren. Yeah. Darren. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> all right. Wide receiver. Rosh, you get to nominate first. Who is the guy? Who All right. Team? I feel like I know. See, let me tell you who my guy is. Um, before I tell you his name, let me describe him in every other way to show you how amazing he was. This guy was six foot, five inches tall at 240 pounds. 240 pounds, which is heavy. He ran a 4-3, 5-40-yard dash. He was a former first-round pick. Now, for comparison, Larry Fitzgerald, 6'3", 218, not 6'5", 240. Reggie Wayne, 6'200", not 6'5", 240. Um, Michael Thomas. Huh? Just making him sound fat. <laughs> Dude, he's huge. 6'5", is unprecedented. Randy Moss was 6'4", Terrell Owen, 6'3", Michael Thomas today, 6'3". He was 6'5", 240 pounds. He ran a 4'3", 5'40". Larry Fitzgerald, 4'4", 8". Reggie Wayne, 4'4", 5". Antonio Brown, the speedster, 4'5", 6". Julio was 4'3", 4". So Julio came close to him, and Randy Moss, to his credit, ran a 4'2", 5". Terrell Owens was 4'4", 5". The guy I'm voting for is Calvin Johnson the former Georgia Tech wide receiver, taken number two overall in the NFL draft, only played nine years. So that's the tricky part when you look at Calvin Johnson's numbers because all the other players I just mentioned, they're going to have better numbers because they played a lot longer. But if you look at every other player's first nine years of their NFL career, Calvin Johnson blows them out of the water. Calvin Johnson in his, in his whole nine-year career had 84 touchdowns total. Julio Jones, in his first nine years, 57. Larry Fitzgerald, 57. Reggie Wayne, 63. Antonio Brown, who's arguably been the best receiver these last couple years, he's only had 74 touchdowns. The two exceptions are the two Hall of Famers already. Randy Moss, 101. Terrell Owens, 97. So if Randy Moss and Terrell Owens are super um, Hall of Fame candidates and inductees, Calvin Johnson's right there with them with 84 touchdowns. His accolades, Calvin Johnson in his nine-year career, only, not only, sorry, he's a four-time All-Pro and he's six Pro Bowls. So now these other guys may have more cumulatively because they played more, but in their first nine-year careers, so I said Calvin had four and six, four all-time pros, six Pro Bowls. Julio had two all-time pros, two All-Pro teams, six Pro Bowls. So he's two less on the all-pro teams. Larry Fitzgerald, one and seven. Reggie Wayne, one and four. Antonio Brown, four and seven. So Antonio Brown measures up. He had, he's on the all-pro team four times, one more Pro Bowl than Calvin Johnson. And then Randy Moss had four and five. Terrell Owens also had four and five the first nine years of their career. Antonio Brown, unless his antics off the field keep him out of it, is most likely also a Hall of Famer. 
the two guys who are Hall of Famers have the same numbers as Calvin Johnson. Four all-protein selections. They had five Pro Bowls in their first nine years. Calvin had six. Um, I hope the duration of his career and how short it was isn't going to impact his eligibility. Or not, it won't impact his eligibility, but I hope it doesn't impact the determination of letting him in because his numbers blow everybody out, and he was a freak of an athlete. Okay. Pete, you want to go? I'll go. Uh, unless you take uh, my person, then I'm going to be really sorry. I want to see you top this. I, uh, liked, I liked who you picked. I, I seriously considered him as well. Um, and the guy that I stacked him against, and I'm basically going against the reverse of what we did for the last round, was I wanted a little over longevity. And um, I, first of all, I'll say Calvin Johnson, I think if he would have just played a longer career, hands down, just no questions asked, would have just killed it. He would have destroyed the numbers. Yeah. But, uh, that short period and that burst that he did, it was insane what he did. Like, even towards those last years, a uh, year or two, like he was having those 300-yard receiving games, which was just unbelievable. He just – you throw the ball, he's such a big target, he's so fast, there's nothing you can do to defend him. But, uh, anyways, digressing to my pick, you threw out a lot of the stats. Uh, the guy I went with was Larry Fitzgerald. Um, mm -hmm. So – Overall, let's let's go with he's second uh, second in receiving yards and receptions. Um, or sorry, receiving yards uh, receptions. So he's had what fourteen almost fourteen hundred rece uh, receptions, seventeen thousand receiving yards, hundred twenty touchdowns over the course of his career. Um, you brought up a couple of the different stats, but um, I guess the thing I'll I'll focus more towards on is the aspect of. He made those 11 pro balls. We did with 19 different quarterbacks. And out of those quarterbacks, I think it was only like two, two of his quarterbacks were pro bowl quarterbacks. So mm -hmm. he had like Kurt Warner in 2008, Carson Palmer in 2015. So all, everything he threw out, I'm not going to repeat, but he, he was right there next tier next to uh, Megatron with those stats. But he's been doing this and he's been as consistent as he's been with really not that great of a quarterback for most of his career. Mm -hmm. So that only leads me to believe how good Larry Fitzgerald is. One, his longevity of how long he's been able to play. But two, he's been doing it with not really that great of a quarterback in his hand. Like imagine if he had like a Tom Brady or Ben Roethlisberger or someone like that. Um, Eli Manning for well, – it doesn't matter. Um, it's just – I, I get the, you know, the aspect of what you said about Megatron. I like that, but I think I'm going to have to go with that overall career because of how he did it without really that prolific of a quarterback and how long he's done it. And he, even in his last season, he's still close to like, was it like 60, 70 receptions, almost a thousand yards. He had like 950 yards. So it's not like he's okay. really fell off. That's solid. I didn't know he played that well last year. Okay. Well, both those guys, I think, will get in the hall. I don't think – I think they're both first ballots. I don't, I don't think that that's debatable. I think that's just how it's going to work out because they, they, they're like household names. person I have picked is Torrey Holt. Torrey Holt should already be in the damn Hall of Fame. You love Torrey Holt. I do. I actually do. And one thing that he has, but both the guys you just said don't have, is he holds a record for six seasons with 90-plus catches – and 1,300 yards. Yeah. These numbers are ridiculous, okay? And there was year, the first few years, he wasn't the number one option. He was Isaac, Isaac Bruce was still there. And then, yes, they were the greatest show on turf, but then Kurt Warner then went to the Cardinals or retired or whatever happened to him for a while. And they had Mark Bolger, who is not Kurt Warner. 
and was mm-hmm. still putting up numbers. Dude had how many is it? One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. Eight straight seasons of a thousand plus yards. There is no way this dude shouldn't be in the Hall of Fame right now. Like his numbers speak for themselves at that point. That's all I have to say. All I have to say. There's no, there's no reason he shouldn't be in the Hall of Fame. He's not yeah. a nature, none of those things. He's just a pure route running wide receiver. All three of these guys, right? Like all three of these guys should yeah. be and most likely will be eventually. Um, the only argument I'll make for my guy in support is that when you have a Tory Holt on your team and then you have an Isaac Bruce on your team, that benefits that second receiver, right? You got the number one corner, you got the attention on Bruce where Tory Holt can capitalize. Um, I mean, same thing. I'll, for, I'll further your point. They also had Marshall Falk at that time who created the pass catching running back. So like, right. I further that point in there. And they were the greatest show on turf at that time. But right. they've also gotten – like, there are more snap offensive snaps, and they've been helping the offense every year since now mm-hmm. to, to make more plays. But, yes, I, I do agree. That doesn't make sense. Torrey Holt was great. No, I mean, there's no doubt about it. Torrey Holt was a stud. Um, I remember that greatest show on turf, that offense. That was fun to watch, right? Like, they played on turf, it felt like, and even if they didn't, they would just glide. Um, they were always so fast together. Um, it's not a bad get. It's not a bad one. I, I don't have Torrey Holt's numbers up in front of me. I w- I'm curious to know how many touchdowns he scored the first nine years of his career, because I doubt it's close to 84, right? Like that still blows my mind. As great as Larry Fitzgerald was, no, the, the first... he, had, he only had 74 his whole career, so that is not. But he had 10 okay. years. So. Dude, so like Julio Jones and Larry Fitzgerald in the first nine years of their career had 57 touchdowns. Calvin Johnson, in his first nine years, the same amount of time, had almost 30 more. 30 more touchdowns, not three more, 30 more touchdowns. That blows your mind, dude. That's insane that he almost had 30 more touchdowns in the same amount of time. Um, A lot of these guys are going to have better long-term careers and better comprehensive resumes um, because they'll play longer. But Calvin, if he would have, and even if he didn't, his resume is just unbelievable. Yeah, Torrey Holt had, I think, 60, mid-60s is roughly what he had in those first nine years. Yeah, well, I mean, only had 10 years, so it was like 69, whatever, so. First, you said first eight years, right? Oh, did you say eight? Was it eight? Nine, 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 nine. Yeah, so it's, it's. 71. Six, 71, yeah. He only had the 10 years, so, in his last year. Yeah. Anything, so. And, like, for, yeah. go ahead, go ahead. No, I was just going to say that, like, Calvin Johnson, for sure, first, first out. He, he has pretty much had the statistically the best wide receiver year of all time. Almost broke 2,000 yards at 122 receptions. Like, there's – I don't think there's any doubt in my mind about him at all. Like, him or Larry, John, Larry, Larry Fitzgerald. Because Larry Fitzgerald, like, has played with nobody for so long and still is a top wide receiver every single year. And on top of that, doesn't complain. Like, uh, Antonio Brown just kind of is a trooper. And that's part of getting into Hall of Fame, right? Like, the media has to like you to get in. That's why Terrell Owens took so long, right? Right. Terrell Owens' numbers speak for themselves. Him not being a first ballot was outrageous, right? So mm-hmm. I, I don't see any way that both of those guys just don't get in. I want to make a case for the man, Troy Holt, because he should be in right now. Isaac Bruce should have already been in, not going in this year, you know? Like, so that was my, the, my advertisement for that. That's and then fair. I do want to say, the, my, my honorable mention was, I did not realize um, Heinz Ward's numbers 
Like I actually did not realize. Yeah, that. it's impressive. And him, him not being in is wild to me. Him, and I think the only other one I want to mention. And I kind of want to bring this up because this is what sparked the idea of we should do this, do this episode. Uh, well, this and um, J.K. talking about doing it for the NBA with with Dame, but Steve mm-hmm. Smith, Hall of Fame or not. Look at his uh, They are crazy. The former Carolina Panther receiver. Yes. I think so. He's dude was nasty. He's yeah, been, he was. Yeah, and it's not like it was like the first half of his career, second half like throughout his career. He's been he's like Larry Fitzgerald. He's been pretty nasty the whole damn time. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I would say so too. He he's always been a great receiver. Him and uh, when they went went to the Super Bowl, it was him and that uh, Muhammad receiver. I forgot his Moose and full name. Moose and Muhammad, yeah, that was um that was a fun tandem, and then they had a good running back duo. They also had um. D'Angelo. What no, it wasn't D'Angelo yet, right? It was Foster. <laughs> I think it was like a guy named Foster and a uh, the Redskins running back, or Steven maybe Davis. it was Stephen Davis. Hmm, I think so. Yeah, I think so. Um, that offense, I wish they freaking won it because they gave New England their first Super Bowl. With Jake Gallone. Yeah, yeah, stupid oh. Jake. Jake from State Farm. <laughs> yeah. Could have won that game, damn it. Jake from State Farm could have won that damn game. Probably where he's working now. Um, all right, so we got three solid candidates. You can't go wrong, but you can't vote for your player, okay? Oh, so the candidates so we have. You guys, you, guys, huh? you guys gave me, like, for me at least, between your guys is too, they're like votes first ballots. Yeah, so, all three of these guys are going. But if you could only let one in today and the others have to wait, Who's more worthy to get in as soon as possible? That's the that's your question that you have to answer. I mean, it has to be uh, Calvin Johnson. He is the most statistically – he had the best statistical, like, season, like, outside of, like, Randy Moss is, like, the most memorable season. Randy Moss is the second person that comes to mind. Like, that's the level that he is held at. And Randy Moss is, is that dude, so. Yeah, Randy Moss as, – as crazy as Calvin Johnson's numbers are – when I wanted to like get some context to see how crazy are these, are these crazy at all? I looked at Randy's and it's just like unreal what he did, dude. Um, I Randy was on. I hate them so much because I think uh, Larry Fitzgerald has a very like, for, not forgotten career, but like he's forgotten about in these conversations and he's, he's a freaking beast like as well. So He's not as flashy, right? Like, and part of that goes to his speed. He like basically ran a four five forty. Um, whereas all these other guys you're talking about four three receivers, Julio Jones, Calvin Johnson, four two receivers, Randy Moss, and they just like popped on the TV. Um, but when it comes down to the to the day, Larry Fitzgerald will get in that first opportunity. There's no doubt about it. Um, and that's who I would vote for. I would vote for Larry over Tory Holt, um, even though both are going to get in. But if I had to let one in today. I'd probably let Larry Fitzgerald in first. Uh, Pete, what about you? Mine's Calvin Johnson. Um, I mean, like I said, I, I was I was already looking at him. Mirage started with it, so I'm like the second best I knew was Larry Fitzgerald, which I think you can make an argument for both. But yeah, man, the things that Calvin Johnson just did, like every defense was schemed to stop him and put the best players on him, and it still did not matter. He still killed it, and. I don't know. It's just it, it's it's so much fun watching him play, right? Like you just throw the ball up. You're like nine out of ten times he's coming down with the ball. It does not matter what. But yeah, that those runs of uh, those insane stat lines that he had, it was just it was so much fun to watch. But uh, 
yeah, that guy deserves it, man. He 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 put his his numbers up there for it, you know. There was that one game that uh, Calvin Johnson played against Cowboys. Do you remember that game? And he just he, for 300 yards, I'm pretty sure. Yeah, 329 yards, and he just demolished the them. I remember because, like, it was right after – I think it was actually right after I was playing a flag football game in D.C., and we used to go Sundays to go watch watch the game. And I'm literally watching Calvin Johnson destroy us on the big screen. Like, in the first half, he had, like, 120 yards. I'm like, oh, my God. Dude, I'm looking at the stat line right now. October 27th, 2013, in Detroit, 14 catches, 329 yards, and a touchdown. And they were just jump balls. Like, if anything, if Stafford will go down as doing being good at one thing, it's just throwing the ball up. Yeah. And, yeah. and I was like, and to poor Salt of the Moon, I'm pretty sure I was playing him in fantasy that week, too. Oh, so uh, that's <laughs> But, uh, yeah, man, he was 6'5". Like, imagine how tall Randy Moss is in your head, right? Like, how lengthy he is and how high Randy Moss can reach up. He's 6'4". Calvin Johnson's 6'5". He's another inch taller, man. You know who he reminds me of? He's like a Cam Chancellor, right? Like, you know, Cam Chancellor mm -hmm. was massive, and he, he had that width span, but this was just a better Cam Chancellor that was a receiver. No, you're absolutely right. Let me let me look up how, how big Cam Chancellor was. Six, right? Mm -hmm. 6'3", 230. Yeah. Calvin was 6'5", 240. The dude could have played safety probably. But, you know, it, like in certain situations, they would put him in the end zone. Like, like oh, yeah, on defense. You go on defense, on right. jump balls, you bat him down because no one can reach it. That's all you should. There's no one else out there 6'5". <laughs> He's a think freaking stud. With that said, with him being 6'5", think about this. Think what Mike Evans is going to do this year with Tom Brady now. He's also mm -hmm. 6'5". Yeah. He's not bad. He just had Jameis Winston going to the wrong team all the time. Yeah, so, well, think, of, think back at what uh, Tom Brady did with Randy Moss when he had him, right? Yeah. I mean, it definitely uh, – okay, like, he's definitely going to do way better with Tom Brady. But Jameis Winston still threw – I mean, threw pretty well. He threw – he probably had the most prolific season ever in NFL history to both sides of the ball. <laughs> so, <laughs> that both team and his own team, like – 30 for 30, like they'd have a 30 for 30 on his 30 for 30. Right. Dude, yeah. yeah. Wow. It's going to be fun to see, um, but I hope they do awful. I had a question for you guys before we wrap up. Okay. I want to I wanna end it on this. I want a question. Do you think right now where Antonio Brown's career is, is he in the hall? Let's take away his like, like whatever off the field stuff because we can't know what the media will do there. But do you think Antonio Brown right now has a shot at the Hall of Fame? That's a tricky question, right? Because the media, as you said, if we want to exclude that, those are the media doesn't decide who gets into the Hall, but if they are people who are in the media. Yeah. Um, the people who are part of the Hall of Fame committee who have votes that um, they can cast, can be easily persuaded by his antics and by his off-putting uh, behavior. And so um, Joe Jacoby, the Washington Redskin offensive lineman, he's like pure Hall of Fame talent. But the reason he's still not in today and why it doesn't look like he'll ever get in is because like he just hasn't wooed the uh, Hall of Fame committee and the people that have these votes. And so, I don't know, I think Antonio Brown has probably rubbed some people the wrong way. His numbers, just get him in but it's not like an excel spreadsheet that just evaluates you purely on your statistics 
um, they're actual people that can have inherent biases. Um, and yeah, I don't, I don't know. It's a hard question. I agree. If he didn't have his bad persona, bad boy persona tied to him with, you know, the way he did these things in the last few years, his numbers are off the charts for a guy, like we said before, like pre Soms, he was a nobody. Like he came from nothing and he made himself mm -hmm. a name. And he's not the biggest receiver. He's not the quickest receiver. He's the smart his footwork, his route running. He he made himself become that person. So based off even where he is right now, he's got like eleven thousand uh receiving yards in 131 games. He's got 75 touchdowns, like he's well, he's well on pace, 551 receptions, like he's well on pace to have an amazing career but that bias blemish of what he looks like in the media and how he looks like as a person that character will be subjective to when they uh, make these selections and there's nothing that you, he can do about it you know it's just they're gonna be like all right well this guy was an asshole um we'll we'll string it down the line until we really don't have anyone who'll put him in mm -hmm. yeah numbers though like these are from two, 2013 to 2018 these are his these are receiving yards. Four, 1,499 receiving yards on 110 receptions, right? On 129 receptions in 2014, 1,698 yards. Jeez. You think, oh, that must be the top. No. Then next year, 136 receptions on 1,834 yards. Like, and it just, it's 1,200, 1,500, on almost 1,300 again. Like, three. So he basically. He, the person that he reminds me of is like a Steph Curry, right? Like he, Steph Curry, when he was breaking that three-point record, he did like 200, then he did like 250, then he did like 400 threes, right? This guy went from like 1,500 yards in a season, we're like, damn. They did 1,700, you're like, wow. And then he did 1,850, and you're like, Jesus. Mm -hmm. Yeah, the impressive thing about him is we were talking about Torrey Holt earlier, right? And I was making the argument how he may have benefited by having Isaac Bruce on his team. Uh, Antonio Brown had Plexigal Burris on his team and Mike Wallace on his team ahead of him. And they also had Emmanuel Sanders. But at that time, Emmanuel Sanders hadn't become who he's eventually become. The thing that's impressive about Antonio Brown is he started having those kind of great performances with those two players on the team. And after they had left and all the attention was on him and the defense was keying in on him, he still did it. Yeah. Um, the dude's 5'10", 185. Like, literally, that's me. He's my height. He's almost my weight, uh, or he's a little bit heavier than me. But like, I can't do anything remotely close to what he's doing. But it's hard to like think that he could be standing right here. I'd look at him eye to eye. But then, yeah, he's this physical phenomenon. Yeah, I can vouch um, for that. I don't think you're there either. <laughs> I'm not. I, and now I'm regressing, dude. That's what age does to you. In fairness, Plexico wasn't there. They didn't have a. They had one year of overlap. Yeah, yeah, they had one year of overlap. I remember there was like this Monday night football Plexico game. At the end of Plexico's career, nothing together. Well, no, Plexico's career didn't end in Pittsburgh. He won a Super Bowl with New York. No, he came back to Pittsburgh. I'm, I'm looking at football reference, and he was in Pittsburgh in 2012. They didn't have overlap otherwise. Oh, not during Plexico's prime? Mm -hmm. They didn't have overlap. Uh, then I'm recalling it incorrectly. 2010 is when um, Antonio Brown got drafted, and 2005 is when he went to the Giants, Plexico. Accidentally shot myself. Went to. Um, hmm. Yeah. I wonder what the depth chart looked like that rookie year for Antonio Brown because I remember him not being obviously not number one. He wasn't number two. He was like three or four, and like the people ahead of him were good. They weren't just like people. 
I thought one of them was Plexico. One of them was definitely Mike Wallace. Um, I'll tell you right here. Um, wait, wide receiver. Okay, hold on. Uh, okay, Mike Wallace was definitely there. Heinz Warren, Antonio, Antoine Randall, and he's uh, there. And Emmanuel Sanders was there. So Heinz Ward was the guy you're thinking. That's that's it. Okay, yeah. I knew it was like some veteran that was like well established. I thought it was Plexico. Yeah. So like Antonio Brown sees the opportunity because he wasn't being keyed on at all when you have these other stud receivers on the field at the same time. But then the fact that he's been able to do it ever since blows your mind. Um, He should be a Hall of Fame, but he very well may be excluded because of who he is as a person. Yep, yep. As well you should, I think, right? Like now now that we're actually talking about it, like, I don't know. I, I think that's prestigious, right? Like you, you're, you're working towards that. you you know, you should be respectful towards what you've done as a career. Yeah. You shouldn't you know, be able to be a piece of shit and still yeah, be you're not heckling people and uh, trying to say, you know, screw this team and I'm going to do this. Throwing couches off the balcony and yeah. hitting like kids almost. Yeah. Um, at the end of the day, like, yeah, your character should play a as part. An in- athlete, you're always held to a higher standard, right? You're, you're looked at upon society. It doesn't matter. It's the, you know, it's just the given notion that it comes with the job, right? So mm-hmm. who are you to be one exception to every great player that's came through and did things like this anyways? Right, right. Especially in football where it's hard to get in the Hall of Fame, right? Like, mm-hmm. it's not easy. Guys have to wait many years to get in. Like, um, Art Monk had to wait how many years to get in. Isaac Bruce had to wait how many years to get in. And these guys were elite. And did right. everything right, you know. So, yeah. Well, this is fun. Next time we're going to do the defense, right? We'll do three, three defensive players. Yeah, and we'll see. So, right now, let's keep tally. Uh, Pritesh has two people that we voted in the Hall of Fame. You have – hold on. We, we voted for – who did you vote for oh. receiver? Me? I, I said Calvin. I said Calvin Johnson, so that one's you. Okay, so I have one. Um, as a better so and then I said Eli, and you said I was a, and I I said um, Ben Ben earlier, right? And the the quarterback was a stalemate. It was a stalemate, yes. Running back, pre uh, Stones has to win. Yeah. Okay. That's so right now I have two players in the Hall of Fame. Pete has one player. Go Gia. Whatever, man. I don't care. My guys can get in. <laughs> Zero I, players. Petition. We're going to get in. But that's the point. So there's, we have redemption opportunity next week. We're going to vote on three defensive players. We're going to do D-line. We're going to do linebacker. And we're going to do defensive back. And we'll see who ends up convincing the most people to get their players in. In fairness, fairness, uh, J.K. may be back next week. And he's going to break the quarterback one. And that's what we're going to leave it at. The quarterback, when he will get one vote, and he will get the – I like that. I like that. All right. Well, tell him to subscribe to our channel and watch last, this week's episode so that he could see the argument. Oh, he will. He will. He has to now. He has to. All right. All right. Wait. Thanks, everybody, for listening. Subscribe. Do your thing. Um, stay safe. Peace, y'all. Rest in peace, Sean Taylor. All right, Pete Kobe. All right. Oh.